on the surface. We have to go a little bit deeper this morning. In fact, when I was preparing this, this uh, and the Lord started to speak to me, I looked at my wife and I said, I feel like God wants to go deeper than usual. Now, what I can do is strive my best to, to, to enunciate and to, 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 to try to put in simple terms the things that the Spirit of God was showing me from Scripture. But the title of my message today is a question to you, and the question is, are you lying? The question is, or the title of my message is, are you lying? If you want to break down that or, or to make it more simple, you might even say, is your life a lie before God? Now, I'm not talking about living beyond your means or pretending you're something or somebody. The entire message is just trying to define that question because at the end of this message, when you walk out, you're going to have to give an answer to that question. Is your life a lie before God? You could be in church. You can do church things. You can do, quote, unquote, spiritual things. But is God acknowledging what you're bringing to him or is he saying to himself, this is a lie. That's the context of what we're going to be talking about. And so where we're going to start is John chapter 14. You could turn to John chapter 14, verse 1, right? And we're going to see a scenario in Scripture that I, it, 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 brings me, it brings me to laughter in a way because it shows me the challenge that Jesus had with his disciples and uh, us, actually. Because in a lot of ways, we are exactly the way the disciples were. That will bring context to what we're talking about. And I'll try to do this very quickly uh, where we will stop right on time. <clears throat> so, what happened? Jesus starts to talk in chapter 14 after laying the foundation in the previous chapters where he told, uh, first of all, Judas. Or rather, he said, so one of you is going to betray me. Then in the same breath, he says, one of you will deny me. So we know that he's bringing out Judas and he was talking about Peter, right? And then looks at his disciples out of nowhere and says, by the way, I'm also leaving. Or rather, I'm about to die. So out of telling them all this bad news, Jesus does the one, something classic. He comes out of nowhere with something and says, by the way, everything I said, I know it's troubling, but let your heart not be worried. I mean, hold on. If I was there, I would be like, what do you mean? Don't worry. First of all, if as a Nigerian, my first predilection or my first reaction to you saying you're leaving or you're going to die is, ah, God forbid. What do you mean don't worry? First of all, you say that one of us is about to deny you. One of us is about to sell you. And then now you're saying, do not worry that you're going to leave us. Who are you leaving us to? Jesus says, don't worry. And then says to us, he says, trust in God or believe in God. But then something peculiar. He then now says, but believe in me. Why peculiar? Because back in the day, under the temple, they only worshipped God, Yahweh. Am I correct? By Jesus saying, but believe in me also, right after telling Jewish people to believe in God, what he was saying is, I am God. I am equal to the God that you have been worshiping for thousands of years. Believe in God, but now he's introducing a new concept here that if you believe in God, you also have to believe in me. 
In other words, you can't choose. To believe in God requires the belief in both of us. Now, God is one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One. Manifested in this context in three forms. Holy Spirit, Jesus, Father. Correct? Jesus himself makes that distinction a couple of times. And that's what we're going to see. So Jesus introduces the concept of believe in God, but believe also in me. Then he says, in my father's house. What was he doing? He was connecting his self to God the Father, to Yahweh, no longer God alone, but he's saying he's my father, Seth. So Jesus was, in our term, digging his grave. Because he was making matters worse. First of all, you're going to make yourself equal to God. Then now you're saying he's my father. Then he says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it wasn't so, I wouldn't have told you. So Jesus makes himself an expertise on the things that happens in the house of God. Then he says, I'm going, but I'm coming back to get you. Then Jesus does something that a lot of us miss in that verse. He says something. The next verse then, how do I say this? Disqualifies what he said, but it, it, because of what he said, now we understand that what he was trying to say is he was, ex, he was speaking his expectations, but what he was expecting was not what was reality. What was that? Jesus then looks at his disciples and says, but you know where I'm going. And you know what the way is. Expectation. But expectation was not reality. How do I know that? Thomas. The one we call doubting Thomas. The only time we know of Thomas is when he doubted God. No. Thomas also spoke here. Out of nowhere, Thomas looks at Jesus and goes, no, what do you mean I know where you're going? What do you mean I know the way? That is when Jesus looks back and explains everything he's been saying over again. And then says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Right? Before I explain that to you in a second, look at what he says in verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have what? Seen him. We're going to continue in a second, but I need you to know what just happened right there. Jesus' expectation is, if I'm not wrong, up to this point, they've been together for some few years. About three years. They've been walking with Jesus, and a lot of us look at Peter and say, when, when Jesus says, when you've been converted, we say, ah, you've been walking. No, no, no. It was, the, it was an epidemic going on in the disciples. They've been walking with Jesus for three years, and Jesus had expectations, but up to the point of his death, Jesus came to realize that they didn't even know him. But do you notice what he just did? Jesus is saying that you've been walking with me, you see me, and you relate with me. But if you have been relating with me and you don't know who the father is, you actually don't know who I am. Let's apply it to us today. Did you know that 
There are some Christians, when you talk to them about why are they Christians, their answer will rotate around, I don't want to miss heaven. If that is why you're a Christian, you're missing the point. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to where? He didn't say heaven. To the Father. Why you are a Christian is because you are expecting that one of these days you will meet your maker. The Father. Not make heaven. Because if it's just making heaven, what do you think you're going to be doing in heaven? Singing. 24-7, Abi. It's more than singing. We are going back to the Father. That's why you follow Jesus. If you don't have an excitement to meet the Father, I can clearly tell you this morning, you have not understood Jesus. Before you can have an excitement about meeting your maker, the person that created you with giving you the purpose and the reasoning for your existence, if you do not have an excitement or a longing to meet that person, I would like to introduce Jesus today. Because if you truly say you know Jesus, you know the Father. How? There is no way on earth you will understand that Jesus is the way without understanding why he is the way. Because if you just relate to Jesus as he is the way to heaven, I'm just going to follow him. The question is, who made him the way? Why is he the way? Before you can understand and value the way, you must first value the love that sent the way. There is no way you can fall in love with the way if you have not understood why the way was sent. The father loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son that whomsoever believes in the way shall be saved. I would like to introduce the father to you today. Because... If your Christianity is based on simply saying, I follow Jesus, 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 you're not understanding who Jesus is. Because to understand, you see, it's a very serious thing for you to appear before the throne of grace and you've done Christianity all your life and he says, I never knew you. Why would he get to that point? It is because he realizes that the facade or the imaging of Christ you had in your mind was incomplete and that wasn't who he was. Because who he was, Jesus, or who he is, is the word. And the word came from where? God. The word is God. Absolutely. So yes, Jesus is God. But you got to know the father as well. Because we're racing towards him. And Jesus is the way. Then he says he's the truth. What truth? What truth? In fact, a lot of us Christians know Jesus as the way. We know him as life, but we don't know him as truth. We skip truth. We know he's the way to the Father, to heaven. We know that he's the one that gives life if you receive him, right? But we miss the truth. And we're going to see that in a second. So for you to know who Jesus is, the way, the truth, and who? The life. You must first understand, or rather by loving him, he reveals who sent him, why he's the truth, and how he gives the life. Amen. In fact, 
Let's, because of time, let's read from, I want us to read a little passage about this. After Jesus explains this, look at what happened in verse 8. Philip comes out of nowhere and says, Lord, Lord, show us the Father. After he just said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If I was Jesus, yeah? This is when I'll use my divine power. You just find Philip dead in the morning. What happened? Uh, it's time to replace him. After you just explained that you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He says, no, show us the Father. And it will be sufficient for us. By the way, this is how some of us are relating to Jesus now. This is how we're relating to God. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) She said extra grace required. Absolutely. In other words, we, we, we assume we know who he is. And when you assume you know who he is, your prayer even resembles your assumption. You start praying for things that God has already answered. When you ha- Look, there's nothing more dangerous than having the wrong concept of who Jesus is. Because even your prayer, you ask for protection from things he's already said you're a conqueror over. Wrong perception of Jesus is very terrible. You can't even have the confidence that you need in Jesus without understanding the love of the Father. Because if you still think the Father is out to kill you, Jesus becomes a conditional thing for you. <laughs> right perception. I can't even cover his entire perception today. It's too much. I can only lay the foundation to create a curiosity in you that you may know the Father. Jesus said, verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? Why are you asking for the Father? Have I not been with you for so long? I came from the Father. We are one. If you know me, you know the heart that sent me. My God, there's nothing more frustrating than talking to Christians or people that call themselves Christians and you're trying to explain to them how good and God's grace is but they still want some sort of a surety from you. When you're talking to them about God can do it, they don't understand that concept. In fact, you can tell the you that they're asking prayer for, they have more faith in you praying than even the God that you're praying to. There's nothing more frustrating than talking to individuals that think that God honors one other person's prayer more than yours. You don't know God. There's nothing more frustrating than that. He says, he who has seen me has seen the father. So how can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. If you see what I am doing, you know the Father truly sent me. Greater love has no one than this, right? Than one that would die for his friends. A good man might attempt to to do die. So the mere fact that here comes 
an individual that says, I am from the Father and is willing to die is the greatest miracle. So for the works that I'm even about to do, let that alone be the evidence that the Father loves you to the point of saving you. He loves you so much that he's willing to send someone to die. Someone is his beloved son. Amen. Let's turn to verse 18. Did I miss anything there? The way you looked at me. Okay. Just let me know. Raise your hand. All right. Sounds good. Let's go to John chapter 8. And we're going to do this quickly. Chapter 8. John chapter 8. Verses 28. We're there. Do you notice I'm preaching without slides today? Yes, that's what COVID does. <laughs> then Jesus said to them, verse 28, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. So it is even when you have crucified me that you will know I am He. I am who? I am who I say I am. Why? Because in death, there's resurrection for him. Right? So in, in walking with Christ, in, in persecuting the Christ, what comes out of the persecution becomes evidence that he is who he says he is. That is why for a Christian, pain brings glory. Because when you persecute Christ, and if you are the image of Christ, when someone persecutes you, they're setting you up for a testimony. Because God will always be glorified. When he is lifted up in suffering, he will rise again. And you shall be raised in him. Amen. Let's keep going. Then he says, when you've lifted the sun, then you will know that I am he. And that I am doing nothing of myself, but as my father taught me. I speak these things and he who sent me is with me. Amen. The father has not left me alone for I always do those things that please him. This is Jesus talking. And likewise, this is how we're supposed to live. As he spoke these words, many believed in what? Him. So check this out, guys. Don't even go to the next verse before me. Jesus says these things, right? And he basically puts the father and himself within the same context to a Jewish audience. And then that was an impossible thing, by the way, because let me help you understand that Jesus almost got killed many times for saying things like this. And people that were believing in Jesus were risking their lives for believing this. How can you, a mere man, compare yourself to God or say that he's your father or you guys are of the same source? So then the Bible tells us that many or people actually what? Believed these things. They believed to the point of risking their lives. Right? For some reason, in Christianity today, we would think that's enough in following Jesus. In fact, we would think that should be enough to walk us into heaven. Right? Let's see what happens next. What verse am I on? Then Jesus said to those who believed him. Look up here real quick. Wait. They just believed him, right? He should be satisfied that they're risking their lives, right? If you abide in my word, then you are my disciples. 
The sacrifice is not enough. Just identifying with Jesus was not enough. We saw Philip and Thomas identify with Jesus. And Jesus looks at them and says, you don't even know me. So what Jesus is saying is, I know you just risked your life because you found out that I was the way. But that's not enough. You have to know me as what? The truth. The way is a sacrifice. Yes, following Jesus is. But you can't stop there. Just identifying yourself as Christian is not enough. What happens next? He says, if you abide in my word, you are my what? Disciples indeed. So after you have identified you are with Christ, you then have to what? Identify yourself with the word of God. Why? Because he says, 32, and you shall know what? The truth, and the truth will do what? Set you free. So we like using this, especially when we're talking about talking of the truth. The truth is not just talking truth. The truth is who? Jesus. If you are truly my disciples, if you truly believe in me, then you will abide in what? You will stay in my word. You will believe my word. Then you will be my disciples. Why? Because while you abide in the word, then the truth will be revealed to you. So when you received Jesus, you were just walking through the door. But when you have walked through the door, you stay in the house. Why? Because only when you're in the house, that Jesus reveals himself. I am the way. I am the truth. What is the truth? You see, what we're fighting against here is the original lie the devil told Adam and Eve. When he came to Eve and told her, it's a lie. You will become like him. That's why he doesn't want you to eat that. The sin that we are all facing, the flesh, is literally, if you want to put it in a philosophical term, it is, it is a competition on who is really God. It's either I'm God or he's God. In fact, Ravi Zacharias, God bless his soul. I love something he said. He says there will be two types of people in the last days or before God's throne. Those who said, thy will be done. And for those whom God would say, thy will be done. What does that mean? There are some of us that would say, your will be done, meaning I subjected myself and know I am not God, and my flesh and my desires will be submitted to God. And then there are some of us who wanted to live according to our own will, our own way, and do our own will, and God will say to us, your will be done. And if it is our will be done, that's hell. So in, in essence... The lie that we're living, the Bible says that all things were submitted to sin by one man. Who? Adam. So it, the lie that we live is the sin that emanates out of us. But that comes from what? A deep-seated root of being separated from God. So if God is truth and we're separated from him, we're now liars. Because the way we live is not according to truth. And whose truth? Jesus. God. So when you live... Every, if you live outside of Christ, God considers your life to be what? A lie. It is not the truth. Because the truth corresponds to his nature. Lying 
is the nature of who? Satan. So when you live the deception, you're living a lie. Are we together? So when he says the truth shall set you free from what? The lie. Where you know you're not God. Where you know you're some, you need to be submitted to the will of God. Because the Bible says that those that will inherit the kingdom of God are those that do the will of my Father who is in heaven. So the truth dispels the myth that you are anything without God. Are we together? So if you are truly my disciples, or if you're truly mine, you will abide in my word, you will stay in my word, you will be in my word, then the truth will be revealed to you, you will contrast it against the lie that you have believed, you will get rid of the lie, then you are my disciples. We're together. Then you are my disciples. Let's continue. What verse am I on? Just checking. Then you will be set free. So your freedom comes from where? Christ, the truth. But the truth has to be revealed through the Holy Spirit. That is why one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is what? It's reminding you everything Christ has spoken. Why? Because he's the truth. So congratulations if you have chosen the way and you're sacrificing for Christ left and right. Have you abided in the truth? If not, you are suffering while living a lie. We're together? All right. 33. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. This is another thing. When you're talking to people that are not spirit-filled, they'll always find a way to explain themselves or why they are the way they are. Are we not all sinners saved by grace? Have you heard that one? I've heard it a lot. And by the way, God did not just give us grace to forgive sins, but to live above it. So the next time you invoke grace, just understand that you're incriminating yourself if you continuously go back. Why? Because grace was given for you to live above and not beneath. That is why you're more than a conqueror into Christ Jesus. Don't use what some of, I've heard people use Paul's excuse, the sins I don't want to do, that's what I do. Not only do theologians believe that that was in the beginning, but read the end. He says, who shall save me, Christ, and why? Then he says, uh, in a later text, he says that I will know him in the power of his resurrection. Paul was struggling to get to the place where he overcame. That's why he talks about beating, disciplining the body. So even Paul himself showed you his human elements, but also showed you the race that he's running in the spirit. Am I saying that we are above sin? In Christ, yes, actually, that is what I'm saying. Not in ourselves, but in Christ. Because the truth has set us free. To say that I'm lying or exaggerating is to say the word is lying. Because the truth sets you free. And then they said, we are Abraham's descendants and we have never been in bondage to anything. How can you say that you, you, will, be, you will be made free? Jesus answered with patience. Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to what? Sin. When your nature is to sin, have you met those Christians actually that you can't, the, the only time their righteousness seems to be there is when they're in the pews in church. But as soon as they walk out, they found a way to excuse every verse. 
And how to give God the excuse that they're human beings. There's no effort in believing or to live by the truth that has been revealed. In fact, that's the sign of the last times, if I'm not mistaken. They're ever so showing, uh, coming up with godliness, but denying the power thereof. So spiritual, no power. Claiming Christianity left and right, no fruit. By their fruits, you shall what? Know them. If fruit is not coming out of you, this morning, meet Jesus. Because, you see, the reason why I'm talking like this is because I feel like, and, and coronavirus, for some reason, has gotten people calling me, asking about Christ. You've, you called me. Why are you debating with me? You, you're the one that called me. Someone will call you 5 a.m. and say the Spirit of God showed them a dream that they need to get their life right. But they're like, I read the Bible. What else does he want? I say, let me tell you, sir. One, two, three, four. But Bulos, wait, are we not human beings? I say, okay, why did you call me? <laughs> if you already knew you were a human being. So why I'm speaking like this is because if we're going to grow unto maturity, no more baby food. No more baby food. It's either this is real or it's not. We're heading to the place where you can't be. Thank you. Thank you. We can't play around, Ma. Never. Let's continue because of my time. And Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. It's perpetual sins. This is how you know that you haven't met the Christ. Because if you've met the Christ, the truth would have set you free. Why? Because you've been abiding in the word. And if truth, and this is how you know Christianity is true. If it is truly true, then the truth should have set you free. If the truth is truly revealed and you abide by the truth, the sin will be set free. If the truth, if then has not yet affected that lie, you have not yet understood the truth. So then your assignment is, what is the truth, Father? Reveal it today. Flesh and blood, by the way, cannot reveal it to you. Peter, who do men say that I am? Right? And then everybody said this, this. Who do you say that I am? You're the son of God. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. I cannot sit here and make sure. I can only tell you. But truth only makes sense when you receive it. When the spirit of God downloads it into you, doesn't matter who you think your mentors are, you must receive that truth for yourself. And this is what makes it a personal journey. Most assuredly, I say to whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever. And then he connects it back to himself, but a son abides forever. So he's... He's again invoking his privileges. So you, if you're a slave to sin, you can't abide in the house. Because only righteousness abides in the house with the Father. With truth. God does not strive with man, the Bible says. He doesn't strive with us. He's given us the truth. And the truth should set us free. So if you want to remain in the house, you need to become a child of God. Like Jesus is the depiction and the actual word of the Father. So we need to become embedded with the truth. That Christ be in us and we in him. 
So if we want to stay in the house with God, remember, the reason why we want to go to heaven, by the way, from now on, is not simply to be in heaven. It's to be with the Father. But to be with the Father, you have to be a child. Because he has to be a father to you. That makes you a child. To be a child, you have to receive the truth that came from the way. Who is who? Jesus. Why? Because he, who is the original child, makes you the child by coming into you. Because you absorbed that truth. We're together. All right. Time is passing. I know that you are Abraham's descendants. So Jesus goes, oh, listen, listen, listen. I know. I know. Biologically, yes, you came from Abraham. But I'm trying to teach you something deeper. You see the difference? When you're spirit-filled and you are walking by the spirit, when Jesus speaks, you understand it. When Jesus speaks and it offends you, or the word of God is offending you, because you have rebuttals, you need to receive the spirit. Because what that means is that the truth is not made perfect in you. Christ and his word will absolutely make no sense to you or have an impact in your life or even mixed with faith if the spirit is not there. Because your human nature will have an excuse to why what God said cannot be. Let's keep going. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me. If you truly came from the father, or you are open to the truth, the way you relate to me determines if you truly know me. If you truly know Christ, you don't try to explain or to, in fact, I, I, I pray I can articulate this. Sometimes we don't understand why God says what he says. People that are spirit-filled don't try to adjust the words. They adjust themselves to the word. Opposed to trying to understand or to adjust the word to fit them. When God speaks above your understanding, he's asking you to grow and not bring him down to your level. All right? All right, let's keep going. <clears throat> you seek to kill me by, their work, by your fruits, they, you shall know them, right? If you kill Christ in public, meaning people cannot identify Christ in you because of your actions, the truth is not in you. Because my word has no place in you. 38. I speak what I have seen with my father. And you do what you have seen with what? Your father. All of a sudden we have two different fathers. If God in heaven is your father. Do you see now why we're racing to father? Because your actions is determined if you really understand father. Because if you understand his love so much. And how he wants you home with him. And how he sent Jesus to get you home. Your actions will be different. Opposed to you calling God your father. And your actions actually don't correlate. He says your actions that doesn't correlate with mine. Comes from your father. Who? Who? Who's that father? Let's go. 39. They answered and said. 
to him, Abraham is our father, my friend. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Your life will reflect Abraham if I was truly, if you, God was truly your father. I don't even have time to talk about Abraham. Revcon Bible study, we're discussing Abraham. Listen, if you thought Job suffered, go reread Abraham. Just, just go reread how Abraham walked with God. Deny your country, your, 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 your family, and your father. That alone was enough. Jesus gives us examples of him telling people that, and they go, no, at least let me go bury my father. Jesus says, you're not even fit to follow me. Abraham did it. Abraham gets to a country, all of a sudden gets there and sees that there are people already inherited that are in the promised land. He gets there and finds out that there's even famine in milk and honey land. He gets there, he's heading to Egypt knowing that he's going to lose his wife. He comes back, all of a sudden his nephew starts fighting with him. He's, the nephew tries to outsmart him by choosing the better part of the land. Him, he stays there in the worst part of the land until God starts to build him. That was suffering. But he abided there until God lifted him. You would do what Abraham did. 40. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth. If you're constantly killing the truth because you think you know the better way of doing the truth, you don't know the Father. And you don't know the truth. That means you don't know Jesus. We're together. Which I have heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. He repeats that twice. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. That means we're not bastards. Are you trying to call me a bastard? You're calling... For you to say that we're not doing what Abraham did, you're saying that that's not our father. So who's then our father? Who's our father? Jesus speaking spiritual, they're talking biology. <laughs> 42, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. All of a sudden, loving Jesus is contingent upon the father being your God. Being your father. Meaning, you fall in love with Jesus. You see, this is why in Christianity, you never force anything. If you're trying to force yourself to love Jesus, to abide by his word, something is wrong. Because if you truly understood the father's love for you and how the way was given because he wants you so bad, love becomes your nature. Because the truth transforms who you are. We're together. Let's continue. What verse am I on? 42. Then Jesus says, if I were your father, uh, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come to myself, of myself. But he sent me. Meaning you can't separate our us. Why do you not understand my speech? But because you are not able to listen to what? My word. You'll never understand Jesus if you don't abide in the word. You can't give me that excuse. Oh, I have a gift of prayer or giving. What are you praying and giving if you don't understand the words? 
All your prayer and giving and gifts must have a foundation of the word. You must be a student of the word because only the word reveals the truth in you. The truth to you that you may be that which God has asked you to be. He says, because you don't listen to my word. 44, you are of your father the devil. And the desires of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. In other words, no one is independent of a father. It's either the father in heaven is your father or the father beneath is your father. Choose one. And you know what you have chosen based on your actions, not based on what you say. Many draw unto me with their lips, but their hearts are where? Far from me. If you want to know what you have chosen this morning, how are you acting? Therefore, I give you the title, Are You Lying? Is your life a lie? Where you're saying one thing, but your actions is truly depicting who your father really is. Is he your father because the truth you abided in? Or are you claiming that you have met a man named Jesus, but your actions have not yet been mixed with faith, where truth is not what comes out of you? I want you to gauge your actions and determine who your father is today. Choose this day who you will serve. He was a murderer from the beginning. Nothing changed. So in other words, if I can even extrapolate there, the Bible says if you hate your brother, you are a murderer. So if you are hating somebody, guess who your dad is? And do not stand the truth. Truth is too hard. It's not attractive. And that's how you live. Compromising. Because there is no truth in you. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resource. For he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? Meaning you can't find any evil in me. So if you're truly mine, you know truth is what it is. And if I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Amen. Are you living a lie? Because today, we have to make a decision. Because I... I, like I said before, no one that ever goes to hell will ever be surprised why they're there. Because before God, you can say one thing, but God doesn't go based on what you say. Only. But he goes based on what you do. Because your fruit says what you chose. Some of us are actually satisfied that we have been able to lie to ourselves. We're not only lying to God, we're lying to ourselves. Some of us even hide behind the term, we're struggling in faith. The truth shall set you free. 
abide in my word and stay there in the secret place of the Most High until he delivers you. Don't make decisions until he's delivered you. Let the truth set you free today. We can't continue to live like unbelievers and be surprised when he says, depart from me. Grace was not foolishness. Shall we continue in, grace, uh, in sin and expect grace to abound? God forbid. I understand that we serve a high priest that knows our weaknesses. But he's constantly revealing truth to our weakness that we may get over it. Grace is for us to overcome. I want you to take what I'm saying with the veracity and the cavalier attitude I'm speaking and use it as a determining factor to want to know truth. Don't try to find a verse in the Bible that waters down what I'm saying because you, you ain't going to find it. Because if you notice, I read the words of Jesus and all I did was explain it to you. We cannot continue to live a lie. Your assignment today is to gauge how you've been living. And the last question is, who's your father? We can stand up and just clap for Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, let's do it. Amen.